Cruz in today's Mumbrella podcast from the studios of CBS Interactive. Did Rupert Murdoch really mean it when he said that News Corp would come off the Google Index? The great Toyota social media experiment, how's it going? The end of the road for Merrick, Rosso and Kate Ritchie, of course. Another turkey of an Aussie ad from an American agency. Plus, we talk to the man behind the launch of new children's channel, Kidsco. Welcome along. As ever, we have Deputy Editor Camille Alicorn. Hello. And Cot Rohde, um, who I always get confused as how to um, introduce him because... He um, can never decide what to call his agency. Have we, yes. have we come up with a name yet? We have indeed. Well, we have come up with a name for a few weeks now. We're just trying to get all the things sorted out. An agency name that you can share with the outside world. Well, I can share it with you, Tim. Well, thank you. Do, do, do tell. <laughs> It'll be our little secret. So we're going to call the agency House Party, because um, we think that combines well with the Hot House, the parent company. And the fact that being a social media and kind of digital PR agency that kind of house party gives you that feeling that, um, you know, you want to go get together and have a, a laugh. And party has the words P&R in it. The P&R, P&R, exactly. It's got everything. It's a beautiful combination. So you're not going to call yourself house priority then, no, which I not. believe was on the cards. It was house P-R-T-Y was on the cards, but um, house party. Um, and we'll have the website up um, hopefully uh, next week. We'll have the kind of landing page and we'll get, we're working on the rest of the design at the moment. So one of the uh, things you're working on is the Toyota Yaris social media campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, you know, just needs so many disclaimers. The fact that you're on this program doing this, so inherently and naturally biased against your competitors. But well, I wouldn't mention. I wouldn't. I would, I would not make a comment of any of my competitors really? on this do one. You, yeah. Do you? Which is your favourite of your competitors? Ones? I won't even mention that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I can say is that you know the companies involved have all come up with really creative ideas. You know, and it's um, it's nice to have against a, a field of um, such professionals. Yeah, so amongst the agencies, and this is where I'm in horror of forgetting someone, we have one Green Bean and Hoster working on the uh, werewolf in Yaris. We have uh, the population are sort of partnering with uh, Oddfellows, and they're very much a Facebook-based one. Melbourne versus Sydney is the kind of central idea of that one. There's Such and Suchy are doing the film contest, I always haven't said what they're doing yet, um, but that will come along soon. Um, oh, you know, don't you? <laughs> we'll talk about well, that I, one. I, I off think the air I know. I've seen, I've seen something online that that looks like it could be them, but I'm not sure. Okie dokie. I've already confirmed. I just saw some recently. Went, oh, that's a bit. And then yourselves, you're, you've you've worked with um, Balanti. Yep. Who is a YouTube blogger? Very briefly, what are you doing? Uh, we're just doing um, it was just a bit of a creative idea or something. We wanted to do something a little bit um, fun and interesting, so we um, devised a concept of um, a Lego um, creating a Lego set where some criminals are broken out of jail and they need a getaway car um, and they decide to um, quickly run through the exhaust pipe, come out through the um, the air conditioning unit and uh, steal the Yaris's or kind of getaway car. Uh, we just wanted, I mean, it was something fun and it was a way to connect people with the car and also just to give them an idea you know just a little bit of something that's a bit humorous because I think that when you're working online a lot of the time that's one of the, the key things is to, to make people laugh and then of course that then links into the winner Yaris yes so yeah we talk we'll give the car away what the heck excellent now um, it's quite a nice little video Bl- uh, Blunty did it yep. for you um, will you be entering it in the such and such a film <laughs> contest <laughs> I hadn't thought of that but now you mention it that's quite a good idea I'm sure they um, 
quickly say no to that. But I believe no. you could win $7,000. <laughs> Donation in my pocket. <laughs> okay, that's the uh, great Toyota social media experiment, something we'll be keeping our eye on in future weeks. Your first impressions of that one, Camille. The idea of a brand doing effectively a live pitch that the world can see. I think it's a great idea. Let everyone watch it. It's great for us journalists. Absolutely. There's lots to talk about, so um, look forward as it keeps on rolling out. Okie dokie. Now, um, it's sort of... Sad news is probably overstating the case, but one of those long-established radio relationships, American Rosso, um, is coming to the end of the road as far as radio goes. Now, American Rosso have um, co-presented on Nova for a while. Well, we're joined, um, what feels like yesterday, but it's probably been more than a year, by Kate Ritchie. Um, that's what happens when you bring a threesome into a couple. All things can go wrong. That's very good and very wise advice from a a man who I was going to say from a man who knows, but I really don't want to get, even begin to go there. Um, so, it. I guess the question is: is if it was working brilliantly, then presumably the radio station would have moved hell and high water to keep them together. We don't know whether they chose to walk away or whether the radio station chose to keep them you'd think that because Merrick and Rosser are so much of a line up the, the radio station would have wanted to keep that way Camille your, your take on this one it is very much a case of um, well known uh, well known duos you know kind of young Aussie talents that uh, you wouldn't think that would ever break up such as you know the Hamish and Andy to a lesser extent but Merrick and Rosser they've become a bit of an institution you know in the kind of younger audience uh, landscape so it and is also on pay tv as well yeah well yeah television because they've they've done some they've launched shows in the past on the comedy channel yeah yeah but also on, on free to air as well which have not, obviously not really done very well, rated very well. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. i think it was on channel was 10 wasn't it if yeah. i remember rightly it was on channel 9 one as well oh, actually this, this, they've corrected. done several and because they've been together since is it, 1996 and various collaborations Ooh. so lots of projects you know this isn't just this so I know this is the end of a marriage really yeah, I mean, longer than a lot of relationships yeah I know. absolutely <laughs> mind you in ratings wise they were never top of the tree were they no but they were consistent I think that's yeah, the key I th- well I thought they were actually higher than they are now um, compared to Today FM but um, I have been out of the country yeah I mean Today FM certainly has, has dominated breakfast for, for yeah. some time mm. with, with Carl and Jackie O Please let's not make this a Carl and Jackie O conversation. <laughs> um, and uh, Kate Ritchie is going back, the announcement said, to her to first acting, love yeah. of acting rather than presumably her second love of being paid an enormous amount for getting out of, bre- out of bed very <laughs> early for, for the breakfast show every day. I'll be interested to see what she does next, actually. Well, she was, a bit she of was, underbelly. She did a bit of underbelly. Yeah, but she was kind of synonymous, obviously, with uh, Home and Away. Yes. Well, be, uh, so synonymous that you look puzzled yeah, as you try to, to, to work out Home and Away or no. It was Home and Away. It was Home and Away. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Um, but yeah, but she was. She was. Cause she, she was. She, what age was she when she first started in that show? Like eight or something like that? And then to like, I don't know, 20s. I mean, that's one of the, lo- I think it's one of the longest careers in any TV show I've seen. Mm. Now, opinion piece that you wrote this week, Camille. Um, Ah, piece of advertising for Microsoft. Oh yes, so uh, Windows Seven, the new operating system. Interesting. It was it was quite a big global launch, um, end of last month actually, and in was, which they did a dreadful video. Did you ever oh, see the, the video they did to the launch party it? Video. Yes, I was, I oh, think no, it was. Wasn't it called House Party? The video. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just called Microsoft Windows <laughs> Seven Parties. All right, and it was just agonising oh, people talking was, to the camera about. It was like watching. Was it during the press launch? This was ahead of that. This was yeah. sort of to try and persuade people they should hold their parties at home to celebrate the launch. The greatest of. thing Microsoft ever did with that was disable comments straight off the bat <laughs> because that would have been destroyed. It was 
such a I might have worked for the US audience even though I'm not quite sure but for a global audience, it was such a bad idea. But another part of the strategy was their TV strategy. Yeah, Crispin Porter, the lead um, creative agency, US agency, um, came up with a creative idea for the TVC. You know, the um, it's my idea. Windows Seven's my idea. Using um, Microsoft consumers in their ads and saying that fine. Basically saying there was something I really wanted, and now yeah. it does it. I must be thought of it. Well, basically, this is just um, new and improved um, compared to their. Uh, their, fa- their failure last time with the, the previous launch of oh, the, yeah um, mind you that was perhaps more about the the product rather than the advertising that yeah time. well uh, yeah that's I mean, it. well that's why this is I, I you know it's my um that's why the, the line comes out that I made it or whatever it's, what is it it's so catchy I can't even remember it yeah, it's funny like it's my a, idea I use Apple Macs um so I'll put a disclaimer out there and you know the videos are like, oh, I thought of this, and I'm like, well, actually, I used that a couple of years ago on a Mac, so didn't really think of it. You just witnessed your friend using that and thought I'd be nice in my PC. Absolutely. Now, um, I guess we need to explain though that uh, in Australia, rather than you know get the local ad agency to shoot it, um, they no doubt at enormous expense sent out a Crispin Porter Bogusky, um crew to shoot the Aussie consumers. Yeah, well, apparently they did that to all the markets um, to localise it all. Um, Crispin Porter's uh, elite crack team of creatives uh, flew into the markets and found some local locals. <laughs> holidays, holidays are Google. <laughs> to say <there>. my idea, <laughs> my idea, Windows 7 is my idea in the various accents. Uh, was that necessary? Well, it wasn't that <laughs> watch, special. Watch the ad, the ad and yes. you decide, basically. Yeah, you can read a Camille's opinion piece about it on Mumbrella and witness the video there. Now, also, um, it's not the first time that an American ad agency has oh, uh, been interested. Yeah, Combank um, used Goodby Silverstein and Partners, San Francisco-based agency, I think, which has been going probably now for about 18 months or maybe even yeah. getting on for two years. Now, I must confess... I hated the ads. I thought they suck. I still think they suck. There was another new one on last night. The idea being, and you know, who knows where they got this crazy idea from? It's an American ad agency trying to tell the very clever marketing team at the bank what mm. they should do, do, but the the down to earth Aussies understand better. Now, I I hate those ads. I still do, <laughs> but I must admit. It, all of the marketing metrics seem to show that it's working. Well, you know, that's uh, says some of the audience there, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that's the thing, isn't it? We can be very, you know, we can be very disdainful of a piece mm. of a- advertising, and then it can work. And they um, they were named marketing team of the year based on you know very much the repositioning. Marketing director guy called Mark Buckman, you know, who's not stupid, and certainly is one of those people who actually stands for something in this industry. Um, You've got to have a lot of belief, though, haven't you? Yeah, I think think sometimes we're all a bit too close to things. And, you know, we we see much more than your average Joe sees in the street or your average Bruce or whatever it is in Australia. Um, And I think, you know, maybe your average guy in the street sees the adverts and goes, yeah, that's the bank I want to use or that's the PC operating system I want to use. Camille, hate or love Combank? I don't. I'm I'm a bit more indifferent, to be honest with you. I like the Bank West ones with the little, um, with the animals, the little mini pony make it smaller the talking animals I like I'm sorry I think that's hilarious <laughs> wouldn't necessarily convince me to go with Bank West but I, I just they crack me up whenever I see it whereas the Combank is just it's kind of been done before that kind of oh that brash American and trying to be oh I don't know mm. that's the thing about Camille though. if it's fluffy then you know if it's cute then that's the sort of advertising she likes that's me I have no substance whatsoever <laughs> 
Okie dokie. Joining us now, Paul Robinson, Managing Director of KidsCo, which launches in the next few days here in Australia. Um, Paul, tell us a bit about the, the station to begin with. Well, we're a new channel coming to Australia. It's an ad-free kids channel for kids 6 to 10, being positioned as um, a, an environment that's safe for children. So uh, if you're concerned about your children seeing things which may be a little bit racy in terms of some of the, you know, Hannah Montana sort of fairly, you know, not very many clothes on young ladies, or uh, if you're concerned about violence or excessive sort of bad behaviour, malevolent behaviour, what you get with kids go is a safe environment. So there'll be nothing inappropriate. So uh, all parents will be very happy for their children to, to watch kids go. Now, one of the things, of course, is that the ABC, the national broadcaster here, are just about to launch far more programming for kids themselves. Not, you know, not to mention ABC Three. Is there actually a need for you? Have you have you maybe arrived a bit late? No, not at all. The the key thing for us is we're about pay TV. We're supporting pay TV and believe in pay TV as a proposition for Foxtel and Ostar. And if you look at those existing stations, there is a gap in provision in terms of what we're offering. No one else is offering the range, the quality, the depth of programming we're offering, all this environment. Uh, the ABC is clearly doing a different job. It's state-funded uh, and therefore has a responsibility to produce programming which is Australian, not to buy things from the market. Uh, what they should be doing is creating market failure, not doing what the commercial broadcasts are doing. So hopefully there's room for everybody. Now this is one question, is it how much Australian content will you actually have? We'll have relatively modest amount, probably around 10%. Um, people like ACTF, Beyond, Southern Star are immediate providers of content. But that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to provide the very best of content from around the world. It's the ABC's purpose to provide Australian content. That's why they've got government funding. Now, you've got some fairly major investors, partners in this. Who are the kind of key ones in terms of the studios? Um, well, the, the company is a three-way joint venture between NBC, Universal, uh, a company called Cookie Jar, who are a content company based in Los Angeles, and... Uh, Nelvana Chorus, who are a Canadian broadcaster. But uh, our providers of, of shows range from people like the BBC, BBC Worldwide, um, Sesame Workshop, Classic Media, um, really all the major independent kids' content creators, about 15 or so of them, are providing shows for Kids Co. And these are shows that wouldn't otherwise be on, on the TV. Everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to Paddington Bear, you know, a great range of iconic characters. Uh, and also family movies. We're bringing back the family movies. So things like Mulan, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Beauty and the Beast. These movies will be on Kids Co. every night so families can get together and watch them as a family uh, in the TV, you know, on the sofa cuddled up. So for a fair chunk of your career, you've actually been in radio rather than television. What, what does that say about the future of radio that you've, you've, you've jumped in this direction? Oh, my career has just been a total accident, basically. I started as a DJ in radio. I worked in commercial radio. Then I ran Radio 1, the BBC National Pop Station. This and is then in the UK. In the UK. And then, and then um, Talk Radio, which is a talkback station in the UK, a national commercial station. And um, one day, um, the Walt Disney Company company came calling and said we'd like you to come and work for us I hadn't planned to go to Disney but the rest is history and that obviously brought me to Australia in business terms to work on Disney Channel Now one of the uh, interesting in things in, in, in terms of radio is you, you've witnessed it first hand in the UK the birth of digital radio which is a good three years ahead of us here in Australia we launched digital here it's been through some ups and downs um, having seen it at first hand what do you see as the potential for digital radio? Is it ever going to work commercially? Well, the challenge is that most people are very happy with their radio stations. Um, and, you know, here in Australia, you've got a tremendous range of, of speech and music radio. And when you say to somebody, upgrade to a digital radio, they go, well, why would I do that? What's the benefit of that? Most radio sets last a long time. You know, the radio's fine. You know, I like my favourite station. Why would I possibly upgrade to digital radio? So the challenge is to 
create a consumer proposition that is compelling enough to get people to actually think about buying a digital radio. And in the UK, the problem was traditionally that the digital radios were more expensive than the analogue ones. So again, why would I pay more for a set for a service I don't know I need? What's happened is that the BBC, equivalent to the ABC, and also the commercial stations have now created a whole raft of new digital stations uh, which didn't exist before, from speech, from rock to jazz and, and so on. So there's actually more to listen to on digital radio than to analogue radio. So the challenge now is to actually market the benefits of that to consumers. Because a few of them fell by the wayside in the process. Right. So, some did because inevitably they couldn't fund it, you know, particularly in the commercial sector when you've got a small audience. There's not enough there to actually attract advertising revenue. There are now about five or six million digital sets in the UK and roughly a third of the population are listening to digital radio, but it's going slower than TV. Uh, and what uh, everyone believes in the UK is required is a commitment to a digital switch-off date. You know, if you say to people, actually, your analog radio is going to go, that will motivate people then to do something about it. And it's sort of, it's a bit like shock tactics, but you need to have some sort of end game. Otherwise, it will just drift and drift. So and drift. switch off AM, switch off FM. Yeah, yeah. Both at the same time, do you think? Um, probably FM will be later, because I think what's going to happen is that some of the community stations currently on AM will move to FM. Um, so you'll have a raft of digital and FM rather than FM and AM as currently. And I think you know it is crazy to suggest that radio would not become digital like TV and every other medium. It can't stay as an analogue medium. It just is getting people from analogue to digital is tougher in radio. And it's also tougher because obviously radio is a free-to-air medium. You don't pay at point of consumption. You know, it's funded either by the state or by advertising. So you know, it's very hard to get people to actually... Uh, as consumers to invest in it because they're just not used to paying for it. Another story we've been talking about this week is um, the idea of giving school kids lessons in makeup, which I, I, I rather like. It's been much uh, discussed. You do this look week. very good this morning yourself. Well, I have yes, to say. I, I just did that in the mirror myself, I have to say. Yeah. Now, um, Camille, let's get your view on this one. Legitimate marketing tactic? Catch them young, catch them early? Well, I mean, like, for me, it's more a case of realistically. Um, teenagers they wear makeup um that's the reality of it so why not get in on the act and help kind of not regulate it but the fashion role call is that what it's called yeah that's right. entertainment educational well they're also bringing in chadwick models um white house institute of design um girlfriend magazine so it's a whole raft of brands that are kind of coming on board and going into these schools yeah, to, to put on, basically, it's a lunchtime fashion show well, with not? the idea then being that you'll have a few lessons in how to do your makeup. Well, I just think if, if you're going to wear makeup as a teenager, you might as well look good, you know, and let's be realistic about it. You know, they're not, they're not, um, they're not, they're not not wearing makeup these days. They're doing a lot of things these days, so let's be realistic about it and be a bit proactive about it. I would, only thing I would say is maybe add a, maybe a TV personality who's a nutritionist, for example, to, to be involved in this team so that if you have a, a modeling agency and, and, a, and a makeup brand, then let's just balance it out a little bit. Now, Scott, some of the comments thread has been fairly critical of, you know, reaching this captive audience of school kids a bit young. Your yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. I think that... Um, the school should be the, the last bastion where children shouldn't be affected by by brands. Um, obviously, ours, you know, kids will wear you know Nike trainers and they wear Reeboks or whatever. But I think that uh, they should definitely schools shouldn't allow this kind of thing. 
Um, and, and Even if they get some educational value for free, which is the deal. Do you honestly? I mean, really, they're not getting that getting much education when it boils down to they're getting taught how to put makeup on, and if they're you know they should have parents who can do that. They've got and, YouTube that they can get taught. And on. they would defend themselves and say and prepare kids for a, a, a career in fashion, teach them yeah. that styling and all of those things. Yeah, that's that's brand messaging straight there. Um, look, you know, you know, I come from all different sides when I when I talk in this the show, but I think that. Schools and should be the place where kids should not be bombarded, and we don't want to go down the US route where you've got kids getting hit by uh, advertising messages from every brand as they all try and buy their space in schools. Poor Robinson from Kisco, you don't take advertising, do you? No, we've decided not to have advertising in Australia deliberately, so in fact there is no pester power to parents. You know, there is a real issue with parents, for example, maybe who have got more modest, modest incomes, uh, kids asking for toys or foods they don't want to particularly buy. So by not having ads on Kids Co, that gets rid of that issue. I think when it gets to teenagers, I think I probably take a slightly different view in that I believe that um, teenagers are pretty good at separating editorial from advertising and they know when they're being sold to and they know when they're being editorialised to. I think this is just a harmless bit of promotion really I mean it's not education, it's a cosmetic firm getting an opportunity to sell a bit of cosmetics and to maybe promote to the kids I don't think there's any harm in that as long as it's not overtly selling and as long as it's not to kids too young. I would say if they're under 12 I'd keep them innocent and keep them as kids. Beyond 12 they're really starting to become adults, they're in a commercial world they're going to be exposed to these things anyway I see no harm in it. And Kids Care will never take advertising? We will never take advertising in Australia. Paul, good luck with the launch. Thank you very much. Exciting. Nice to be here. Thanks very much for letting me join you. On then we go to Mr Rupert Murdoch. He was in Australia in the last few days, which if you looked at the Murdoch press you couldn't have missed at all. There were exclusive interviews, especially exclusive interviews that get given to lots of different people in the Australian, in the Telegraph, on Sky News, which is partly a News Corp own thing. Um, he had some interesting things to say, though, of which one of them was, I'm pretty sure the first time he's gone this far, he uh, was asked by David Spears, and considering it's part of the news family, I have to say it was a very good interview. He pushed him very, very hard. Yeah. Um, but he asked that hard question of, OK, so if you don't like Google and content aggregators taking your content, stealing your content, why don't you put in the robots.txt message, which basically says, please don't index me on Google, and then the whole conversation is over. And he said, OK, we probably will. Um, and that's the first time I've ever heard him go that far. Yeah, I, I don't think he thought that went through. Uh, well, this is the question: is did he understand the question, um, or does he mean well, it? Yeah, I mean that is it. I mean, you know, we don't know that one yet. Um, I think if Google, if he if, if he gets every one of his his companies to not be indexed on Google, it could have a disastrous consequence because a lot of people go through Google News. A lot of people just go through when they type in a search. And I found this comment where he said that people who you know come through search aren't looking for advertisers. I found that kind That's of bizarre. That's what he said. Yes, that was slightly bizarre. Yeah. Well, in fairness, I think what he was saying was the value of someone who reaches you, for want of a better word, randomly by search. You know, they're mm. looking for a particular news story, and you you know it could be one of ten sites they go to. Mm. Um, tend to bounce away again. They may not be local. They're they're not interacting with the site in the same way with a committed user yeah, so to then, an advertiser they might be worth less to a person who's going to drop onto it say you're going to write news.com you're still only going to look at the certain stories that interest you so in the same sense that the home page of news.com.au is still a search page to feed you to the news that you look for um, the same way Google does which is what I found bizarre because you know I might have went through 
to news.com through a different uh, route as usual but when I get there I might go oh that's another interesting story I haven't read and then I'll look at another one I'll look at another one um, so to say that I find is quite strange yeah I, I guess the, the, the question comes I suppose the other possibility as well as did he not understand the question is is it just an enormous bluff part of the negotiation that's going on with Google oh, possibly no I also saw that Google responded um, in the UK earlier this morning and they were like well on you go basically um, so I think it'll be, it's not going to be definitely be it's one versus the other in this kind of battle of publishers I mean Google's ultimate online publisher and Murdoch's ultimate offline publisher in this uh, battle it's, it's, you know, it's a good time to be alive watching this battle kind of take place it is now um, so coming off um, the fence and actually in fairness you know yeah on the fence Camille um, will we see it happen look I think he said it because he could you know because he's Rupert Murdoch, Murdoch basically um, I can't see it being an immediate issue. I think it's more at, at the moment all eyes are on the will the online paid content strategy work, and then that really is the initial issue for them. Um, I I can't I can't see it happening. I don't know. I can't see it happening. Well, I just think that at the moment you see him attacking the BBC and the ABC a lot, um, and obviously the strategy behind that is to try and get them as little funding as possible so that people have to go to his paid content sources rather than because if, if if a free news service is available online then that's where people will go. It's a debate that's going to continue for many months yet to come, which depresses me intensely. Anyway, on that slightly downbeat note, that's where we have to leave it for today. Our thanks to Paul Robinson as our guest for today, to Deputy Editor of Mumbrella, Camille Alicorn. Thank you. Thank you. To Scott Rowdy of House Party PR. <laughs> Thank you. Um, our thanks also to all of the guys at CBS Interactive for lending us their studios. I'm Tim Burrows, and that was the Mumbrella Podcast. <laughs>